Oh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us so far to, to worship you through prayer, through song. And now, Father, as this message is brought, we just pray that you continue to be glorified. Not the messenger, but you. May your word be true and strong, presented as you would have it. May our lives be transformed through the knowledge that you give us. May we dedicate our lives to serving you and being the called out people that you desire us to be, being light in the darkness and the salt of the earth. We just pray for your continued blessing on this gathering and your people, as you have promised. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, this morning, I'd like to just look at the role of the family as it relates to the direction of our nation. During 2015, which is the year following, there will be, and you will become very apparent, there will be a move in, within our church assembly um, to present events that build up the Christian family. And one of those events will be something called the Family Project, which is really a, a, a project um, produced by Focus on the Family. Um, it's a 12-part series, and there'll be lots of events building up to the actual project itself. And this morning, I'd just like to help to prepare um, the way for that project, but also remind us and encourage us of what God expects of us as his people. All of us are part of a family one way or the other, whether we like it or not. The family in our country and in the world is under attack. There is serious spiritual warfare that we are called to fight. And we need to realize what it is, the tools that the enemy is using, but not be so focused on what the enemy is doing, but realize what our God has done and what he expects of us. The record of the importance of the family started at the beginning of the word, in Genesis, with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the first family. And it continued all the way into the New Testament with the coming of Jesus Christ. The whole process of redemption can be followed through the progression of marriages and families. Some dysfunctional, some incredibly beautiful. The same thing that we have today. What we see in the Old Testament, what we see in the New Testament, it's all people just like us. So there's a lot to be learned. This morning, I'd like to take a look at the Old Testament. And let's look at Deuteronomy 
chapter 6. And it will be the entire chapter, but I'll take it bit by bit. In Deuteronomy 6, you see the importance of the family because God calls upon the family to do certain things. And he was addressing the Israelites through Moses as they were being led from Egypt to Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. And most of us, I would say all of us, have our own story of being rescued from Egypt. Or Egypt may not be a foreign land. It could be abuse of some type, poverty, lack of education, homelessness, loss of self-esteem, lack of self-esteem, betrayal, ignorance, whatever it is. We've all got some history, our own story. However, those of us who know Christ as Lord and Savior, part of our story is a story of redemption. Whatever enslaved us, it no longer does. Just like those Israelites. Sometimes we're in Egypt and we don't even know it. I was mentioning in Sunday school how quite often we're in situations that we may consider terrible or are in fact not in our best interest and we don't realize it. You know, my father and my father-in-law, they tell me of their childhood. And, you know, I'm sure some of the stories are embellished. But you know there's some truth. Because quite often, you know, they walk five miles with the cow and they from home, and then they walk seven miles back. Well, but we know that they walked a long way. Early in the morning, in the dark of night. And sometimes they had two meals. When we take it, we take it for granted, we've got three. They had a hard life. But they'll tell you, okay, we realize now we were poor. Back then, we weren't poor, because everybody did the same thing. It's just what was done. They didn't realize they were poor until they came to Nassau. Let's take this as a, as a part. This is something I learned in school. If you have a frog, and you boil some water, and you throw the frog at the boiling water, like this, the first thing he'll do is jump out. But if you put that frog in the pot with cold water, and you just turn up the heat, he'll sit right there, and he'll just boil away, happy as ever. He doesn't realize what his environment is doing to him. But he's happy because it feels good and it just stinks up on him. 
We're like that. Now, sometimes we face the situations and we know, wow, we've got to avoid that. Won't do that. But there, there's that tool of the enemy just gently nudging you and nudging you until you realize I'm over the precipice. The Israelites face situations like that, just like we do. We are naturally inquisitive people. Well, as people, we are naturally inquisitive. From the moment we are born, we are inquiring. Well, the first thing the baby does is find out, well, where's the milk? Come on, where's the milk? Asking questions. May not voice them, but asking questions. It is said that before children leave home, they will ask more than 250,000 questions. I know some of us as parents don't believe that. It got to be at least a million. But even after we leave home, we're always asking questions. As children, as adults. What is my purpose? Am I important? Why is this happening? What is going to happen? How am I going to survive? List goes on and on and on. The first place that those questions are to be answered is at home. It's not at school, not even here in the church. It's not in the do-it-yourself book. It's supposed to be in the home. Why does the home have such authority, and where does it get that authority from? How do we answer those questions in the home? We'll answer those a little bit later. But be aware that the answers to those questions will impact not only now, but generations to come. Let's look at Scripture. And see what Moses tells the Israelites on God's behalf. Let's start with Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 to 3. I'll just read it. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Notice how the fortunes of the country are depending on the state of the home. He talks about sons and sons of sons. He's talking about the parents educating their children. The family is the means by which we pass on our values or story. What are our family values? 
And when I ask the question, I'm addressing the question to those of us who are part of the family of God. Because we have the best story. Really, we have the only story. And to parents, does your relationship with Christ figure in the story of your family? And if it does, how significant is it in that story? This passage talks about multi-generational faithfulness. And that's to be a goal for us as individuals, as families, and as Christ's church. His chosen people, just like the Israelites. And the commands are just as real for us today as they were in the time of Moses. Because like the Israelites, we are in a land that is opposed to us. And that passage, you don't have to get rid of it unless everyone has their Bible open. We're being told what to do, how to do it, and why to do it. And it's always good to be reminded. We to learn God's, God's word so that we can obey it. Obviously, you can't obey something you don't know. And ignorance is not bliss, and any lawyer will tell you that. How can we pass on to future generations an inheritance that we ourselves do not possess? It's not good enough to come and sit in this building on Sunday and listen to the word, maybe come Sunday night and Sunday morning, and maybe go to Discovery or to um, um, Mini Church. We have to be daily, consistently, constantly in the word of God. The same way that we soak up ZNS and CNN and Fox and BBC, We have to be more so in the Word of God. It has to be more relevant to us than anything else. And as heads of homes, that's our responsibility. This is God told the Israelites, pass it on to your sons. We have to pass it on to our children. And we need to ask ourselves, are we doing it? Are the results in our families in our churches, in our communities, in our nation, reflecting the passing on of God's commands. From what I see, the answer is probably no. From what I see when I pick up the newspaper, the answer is no. From what I hear when I speak with counselors, the answer is no. But we have no excuse. Now, quite often, we like to find a reason for everything that we do. We can blame, you know, my dysfunctional family, my parents, but that's no excuse. 
Because if we claim the name of Christ and we have God's word, we no longer have an excuse. And actually, we have an even greater responsibility because those of us who are the redeemed have that great responsibility to spread that message to others so that they can't give the excuse that they never knew. You have to pass it on. All of us long for a place to call home. A place where we are comfortable, we are accepted, we feel loved, and we are appreciated. And, you know, in the past, that used to be associated with the family. I know growing up, we ate our meals together. And at every meal, we said grace. We went to church together. We did things together as a family. And there was an opportunity for my parents to pass on their values to my brother and myself. But today, the busyness of our lives takes us all over the place. How often do we spend time being able to communicate other than turn on or turn off the TV, go get this, go get that, or just to criticize our children for something that they didn't do because we never taught them how. When do we get the chance to pass on God's values? But he tells us we need to do that. Why? Not only to save our family, but to save our nation. Because the bedrock of the nation is the family. Just by the way you live before your children, it speaks volumes. Let's take a look at our families, and don't answer out loud. Do we see our families filled with joy, with love, with peace, with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? And honestly answer the question. Or do we see in this day and age sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness? It seems the latter is taking over the former. And we can't allow that to happen. Dads, are you loving your wives? Like Christ loved the church. And even more so, is your son around to see you loving your wife? Sacrificially loving your wife? Do we even know what it means to love our wives the way God has determined? Or do we get it from the most popular psychology book or whatever? It's amazing how different the world tells us to love one another from what God tells us to do. But we're ready to follow the direction of the world. 
charity begins at home. And there's no greater demonstration of God's love than a husband and wife love and submit to one another under the headship of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful. And this will be seen by children and the love, the joy, and the peace that's present in that home. It'll be desired by the children. They'll want to emulate that. And you'd be amazed. Their friends won't, I mean, will be in your house all the time. And that's a wonderful opportunity that God has given to spread his message to generations to come. But that's the responsibility and that's the ability that only the church has. And we have to take on that challenge. We can't drop the ball. There's too much at stake. And because we may have a turbulent home now, it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. At some point, we as the children of God have to put a stake in the ground and say, me and my house, pardon my grandma, sweetie, will serve the Lord. We're not doing it. And we have to stop fooling ourselves if we think we are. The state of decay in our country, which we call progress, the divisions, the lack of involvement within our own assembly and in church assemblies throughout our country, says that there's something rotten. It smells terrible. And we, the family of God, we need to fix it. We can make the difference for the generations to come. The home is where the family discusses life and God. That was the intent. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Another version says, impress upon your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord is our God. Not money, not our comfort, not our reputation, not power. And for the younger fellas, it ain't even the beautiful co-worker. Or for the young ladies, the successful businessman. The Lord is our God. And that's who we serve. And our children need to understand this. But for them to understand it, we as adults, we need to understand this. And we need to show this. Putting all of those things first in our lives is ruining our families. It's ruining our country. And it's ruining the generations to come. Do we want to have that on our head? 
We need to get our priorities straight, as God commands us. What these verses tell us is, every moment we breathe, God should be foremost in our mind. Every moment is a teaching moment as we relate to our children. Do our lives stand up to the scrutiny of an inquiring child who wants to know, what's this Christianity stuff all about? Is it relevant to me anymore? Are we able to explain to them why? Are we able to demonstrate to them what the Lord has done in our lives? Are we willing to do that? Or do we want to take the glory and say, well, it's me. I work hard. And that's how come you could have that iPad. Or that's how come you could go to that school. Or is it, the Lord has blessed us, son. We need to rely upon him. And this is how the Lord brought me out of that difficulty. The best way for our child to become involved in church activities is for him or her to see us involved. The best way for our child to make godly decisions is to understand how we make our decisions based on the Word of God. How we logically follow from the Word of God to make our moral decisions when we have to make those major decisions in life. But are we willing to communicate? Do we even know how to communicate those to our children? Have we spent enough time in the Word to be comfortable talking with our children? about the things of God. This is what God requires. Now, the command to teach the children wasn't only in the family. Everyone that has the knowledge of God has the responsibility to pass that on for the generations to come. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 to 12. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat, and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God wanted to make sure that his people did not forget from whence they came, or the fact that all they enjoyed was from him. He wanted them to remember that he is Lord. And I'm being repetitive because God is being repetitive. Because we too easily forget. What is your family story relating to God's provision? Do your children know it? Do your children know what you went through to be where you are. Or they figure this just happens. Because if you don't tell them, 
they won't have, sorry, their story that they tell their children would be totally devoid of any involvement of God. That's because we have neglected to keep God in the forefront of our relationships. Since we're talking about family stories, I'll take, I'll give you a story out of our life. You know, quite often, you know, when things are going well, there's money in the pocket, there's no sickness, no great stress, life is good. We have a tendency to forget God or put him second place. As soon as the sickness hits, we lose the job or we lose the house, two words come to mind, oh God. In the midst of our blessings, let's remember the Lord. And let's remember the responsibility that he's given us. At one point in our family's history, um, both Denise and I were working. Working really hard because we wanted to make a life for our family. We wanted them, we wanted to have certain things. And we were burning both ends. And to be quite honest, we felt we needed the money because at that at this particular time, there was a, a bit of a recession in the country. So my business wasn't doing so well. And actually, it was one of the times when I was praying in about 2 o'clock in the morning, dear Lord, don't let me be like the Philistines. I want to be able to support my family. Because I didn't know where the next dollar was going to come from. And Denise was working actually two jobs. And one day, and children are wonderful like this, one of our sons just said, to one of us, I don't see you anymore. And that cut like a knife. It's not wrong to work hard. What are you sacrificing when you work too hard? Or you don't allow the Lord to work? Because if it's so easy and the Lord's providence and greatness isn't shown, what do we need? this God for? Well, we made a decision. Then he stopped working. Because we felt we were led to take care of our family. The Lord would take care of us once we were faithful to him. And to be quite honest, I had no great plan to replace that income. None at all. This was a leap of faith. And I'll say this. The Lord was faithful. The Lord was faithful. And I can prove it because I'm standing before you right now. And this was about 12 years ago. I determined that every day I was going to make myself known to a possible new client. And that was guaranteed to bring in enough work 
I'll make up for anything we've lost from Denise. Well, I'll tell you this. There were no new ties. None. But we made the decision because, one, our son was saying, I need you at this time. And also, we weren't quite satisfied with the education that he was getting. Uh, we felt we needed to supplement it. And we found we were deprogramming our children every night after they came from school because the values that they were bringing home weren't our values. But we took the leap of faith. We didn't know what we were going to do. Come the, this was in, during the winter term, the fall term, I guess. Come the summer, we decided we aren't going back to school. Well, if you know my children, no, my young men, because they're both taller than me. One, oh, wow, great, Dad, bring it on, that's fantastic. The other one, the socialite, you're ruining my life. What about my friends? I mean... And he's also the argumentative one. All sorts of arguments. The 250,000 questions, they happen in about two weeks. But we stayed the course. Because this is what the Lord required of us. And you know what? We aren't perfect. We started to wonder, is this really the course? And believe it or not, we decided, you know what? Let's just try and get some school uniforms just in case. Every year previous to that, we could always get school uniforms. No problem. Absolutely. We couldn't find the school uniform. We just couldn't. Either y'all bought them already or whatever happened. If it was the right color, it wasn't the right size, and they didn't have enough, it just didn't happen. God was just shutting doors left, right, and center. And it wasn't enough for us because we were trying to figure out what are we going to do. But prior to that, Denise had an opportunity to, um, to audit um, some classes in Spanish Wells for the Ministry of Education. And the gentleman there was using a certain curriculum. Oh. Me, just, well, Spanish well, that's elusive, kind of. Well, I'm going to just enjoy the environment. And I wasn't paying any attention. Denise, on the other hand, she was. Thank God for, for godly wives. Um, and she did it, and we forgot about it. In the middle of the summer, in the midst of our desperation, we decided we'll go to a homeschooling conference. You know, just, just go there. Um, and we went to this homeschooling conference, and they were using that very same curriculum. I didn't realize it because it was a different name, and I said, you know, Denise, this is the way they're supposed to teach math in school. Sweetie, why don't they teach math in school like this? And she was saying, oh, wow, this is great English. This is amazing. The boys were with us. One was saying, oh, great, Dad, and the other one was just rolling his eyes. And... We left a pile of information. When we got back, we prayed real hard. 
And we said, you know what? We're going to be the parents. We're going to pass on the Lord's values. It's a Christian curriculum. It was strong academically. So we said we'll homeschool our children. We'll pass on our values. And we'll see where the Lord leads us. Now, I had no idea how I was going to support my family at this point in time. But I was convinced this was the Lord's direction. To cut a long story short, the Lord has blessed our family abundantly. Abundantly. So much so that I stand before you because I have no choice but to stand before you. Because I have to do what the Lord says. The other pastors would tell you that I did not feel myself worthy to be called a pastor. I had to think long and hard. But when I thought of the Lord's goodness, his faithfulness to me, I had no choice but to go wherever he led. And allow my children to see my story and to understand that it's not about me at all. It's all about the Lord. And we need to pass that story on to our children. We all have our individual stories. When we allow the Lord to work, we develop that story so it becomes an amazing novel that our children will read and pass on to their children and transform their families protect the families, and when the other generations see the effect, the community and the nation will be transformed. We have to be the change that we want to see. We can't expect anyone else to do it. We have to do it. What is your family story? Where does the Lord figure in it? How is the culture around us shaping and defining our homes? Are we going to be like the frog and allow the water or environment to destroy us? Are we going to stand up and be counted, be different, so everyone can see us? Take a look at this. Think of Drew when he was five years old, in the schoolyard, waiting for Daddy to pick him up. And here comes Wendley, coming to pick up his son, his boy. How do you think Drew will find Daddy? Probably the easiest Daddy to find in that schoolyard was Wendley, because he stood above everybody else. That's what we have to be in our homes, in our communities, in our country, standing head and shoulders above everybody else so they can see God's greatness in us. So the, there is no dispute who that man is. That is the man of God. His family is a godly family because he has passed on God's values to 
everybody in his family. It's easy for his wife to submit to him and respect him because he loves her sacrificially. He will die for her. And his children know that. Moms, they respect their husbands. Their daughters see it. Their children see it. This thing goes with sense. God has a plan. Don't corrupt it. You follow it to the T, and God will be glorified, and you will be in the land flowing with milk and honey. Just like, just as we are in a land, in a time that is hostile to the things of God, God knew that the Israelites were going to a land that is hostile to him, and he prepared them. They were facing a culture that was going to tell the Israelites, be like us and everything will be good. Whenever the Israelites fell for that trap, they suffered. When they said, we will stand for what is godly, they prospered. Look at our nation. Don't be fooled by what is sugar-coated as good, makes sense, is right. Compare it to the word of the Lord. I don't care if they legalize it. That doesn't give us the freedom to participate. We have the responsibility to test it. And let our children see us testing it. Whatever I say before you, compare it to Scripture. Make sure our children have that same attitude. Don't let Brother Paul talk foolishness. Call him on it. Because we are knowledgeable. Like all of our wanna clubbers and leaders know. Approved workers are not ashamed. We know the word of truth. Make sure that's passed on to your children. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 13 to 15. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Let the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Who is your God? And where does he stand in your story? The story that not only you tell, but that your children will tell. That the world will tell. Do not kindle the wrath of the Lord. If you think we're suffering now, let us continue on the path we're going, and you'll really see suffering. I'm only telling you what the Lord says. Don't shoot the messenger. 
Lastly, what is the story that your home is writing? Think about it in the days ahead. In Deuteronomy 6, at the end, the son, a son asks a question. Let's look at verses 20 to 25. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord or God has commanded you? Yeah, Dad, what does it all mean? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He delivered us from low self-esteem. He delivered us from poverty. He delivered us from, he delivered us from, he delivered us from. The Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous. He did great things. He also made people suffer. Against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. Let your children know what the Lord has done. You know, in high school, how many people went to QC and can remember Mr. Middleton? Okay. I see nobody smiled when I mentioned Mr. Middleton. Mr. Middleton had a saying. He used to say, in life, there are no rewards or punishments, merely consequences. And then he'd say, bend over. But God brings great blessing. But you try being disobedient. You'll see what the consequence is. God is our CEO. The politicians, the pastors, mommy, daddy, the friends, all middle management. Who determines your future? And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. When your child asks about your family story, what will you tell him? What can you tell him? Will it be a story of self-sufficiency, corporate success, extravagance, maybe anger and revenge, slothfulness, criticism. You know, everybody, nobody's getting it right. Manipulation. Or will this child be able to tell a story of the goodness of God in the lives of his parents? The parents trust in God and their contentment with where God placed them. A story of love and peace in the home. A story of service to God. Will they be able to tell a story to their children 
of how they came to place trust in Jesus Christ through the example set by their parents. A story not of perfection, because none of us are perfect, but of redeemed families made whole through the grace of God. My challenge is this. Let our family stories be one of redemption. Redemption of every husband, every father, every wife, every mother, every son, every daughter, every brother, every sister. Let us be instruments of God's peace in our homes and throughout our nation. Let's make sure the the change starts with us. Father, we thank you again for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, we pray again that it would be hidden in our hearts. Father, we pray that we would be able to impact the generations. Father, we just pray that you would be glorified in all that we do, that we take seriously the responsibilities that you've given us so we can be transforming agents in our world, in our nation. But let the change start with us. Let's just approach the throne of grace, just seeking your strength, your forgiveness, and your direction. Father, we just place our lives in your hands. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen.